0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 865 for Monday, April 12th, 2021. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you... Send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. Uh, we organize those into an agenda. The goal is, despite the tangents we are almost certainly going to take, the goal is and remains that each of us learns at least five new things. Every single time we get together, sponsors for this episode include bbedit at barebones.com, Tubird for your email and all your tasks at 2 T-W-O-B-I-R-D.com, Bladderlife.com slash MGG. And a new sponsor for us, but not a new name for us, Skosh Industries, where code MGG30 gets you 30% off your purchases. But that's only good from today, April 12th, through April 26th. So make sure you use that code. We'll talk more about all of this in a moment here in Durham, New Hampshire, while I'm recording, but Portland, Oregon, probably while you're listening. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And here in Fairfield Connecticut and also in Fairfield Connecticut <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I haven't traveled for a while. Um well, actually I did a couple of days ago. Went to uh did Easter and stuff like that. But this is oh, yeah. John and Braun.
0: Yeah, yeah, travel is uh I am looking forward to being able to see my son that we're going to pick him up and move him out of his dorm, which is why we've got to head out there mm-hmm. uh to get him um, travel you know, it's, it's, it, it's a lot more of a chore right now than it normally is. And I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's what it is, but it doesn't necessarily make it fun. Uh, but, you know, we'll deal. And um, thankfully I've, I've, I'm fully inoculated. So that makes me feel a little bit better about traveling um, safely, but obviously I'll still be following all the, all the required guidelines. Cause uh, well, a, because it's, it's how it works and also b I don't want to get thrown off the airplane you know, so uh, but both of I've those. I've seen things some videos conspire, of that happening. Yeah, both of those things conspire to, to make it just totally fine. Yeah, I found some good masks that I really like wearing, uh, really comfortable, and and they work really well. So this will be our first cool stuff found, I suppose, uh, because we've got lots of cool stuff found today. Uh, I you know I've been teaching this class at UNH, and of course, uh, I mean the, the whole campus is tested like crazy. They have like the fat, the world's fastest PCR test lab it's like a rapid pcr lab it's amazing four hour results but um so the whole campus is tested like crazy it's a very safe place to be but everybody's in masks and i have to stand up in front of the class and talk for an hour and a half and you know cloth masks i found i was like chewing on them and stuff and so i found these uh kf94 masks which are the uh the korean sort of version of an N95 from the U S or can 95 from China. And they like, they work so well. It's staying off of my face and yet still being very comfortable to wear and protective and all of that good stuff. So, uh, so I'll put a, uh, I'll put a link to those in the show notes. Not really where I expected our first cool stuff found to go, but, um, but it has made, it has made teaching that class and speaking in front of people like a hundred percent fine. You you do need to get, them size like you need to get the right size for your face which is sort of the case with any mask i've found but um but yeah so i'll put a link in the show notes for that all right now let's get to some uh some tech stuff shall we john
1: yeah well cool stuff found i'll toss one out
0: all right go it's kind
1: of cool i saw it on my twitter feed i forgot exactly where um take your ios device okay unlock it of course and then search for code scanner and you'll see an app called
0: code scanner come up okay it's like a hidden app like I on, think it, it wait basically, wait the, so you're not it, searching the app store for this you're just searching your phone for this correct
1: what but it's like a hidden app i thought was the kind of interesting part about this
0: okay Codes because you can't scanner. you can't oh. put it on your um it, it it's not that. it asks you to have a code to scan I mean I know it's trying to scan my face now mm. which hopefully it doesn't find as a code but that's pretty amazing
1: I think it's the app that camera uses Uh it does the same as camera so if you scan a QR code sure as you probably know but if you don't the camera app recognizes QR codes and will do whatever the QR code tells you to nice. you usually go to a web page or something right.
0: Yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. How did, wow, nice find, man. I like it. That's good. Wow. All right. Cool. Fun. Uh, okay. Uh, Russell has several for us. In fact, it's like a cool stuff found. Sweet. Uh, the first is Pop Clip Extensions. Uh, he says Pop Clip is amazingly useful out of the box. But the nearly 200 free of charge extensions take it to another level. Added to the context dependent base of functions of cut, copy, and paste on the pop up, I now have add to calendar, which can be busy Cal if you want, clip to DevonThink, clip to Yojimbo, use address for mail. Open in Mate Translate, uh, which is another one of his cool stuff found. So we'll talk about that next. Search. He says, this saves so much time and effort. It is for me up there in the core essentials with Text Expander. Very cool. Okay. So we will, we will put that in the show notes, of course. And then uh, moving on, Mate Translate, which he says is available on Setapp or directly from Gicken.co. G-I-K-K-E-N.co. There are iOS and Mac versions. Google Translate works But definitely the best machine translation I have found for the languages I use is Mate Translate. I'm not a great linguist and have a working knowledge uh, more than really fluently written, spoken French, German, Spanish uh, to from native English. I also don't like Google reading my text and using the content to sell advertising. Mate Translate saves me so much time when writing the languages as I I use as it does the heavy lifting of getting the sentences drafted and then I can go through and correct the minor stuff. It's not perfect, but it works very, very well. Make translate has uh, mate translate, sorry, has over a hundred languages. And I find the translation to English of languages I don't know always useful and good enough to understand and very convenient because it's part of setup for the Mac. And then finally, uh re- well, easy for me to say resolutionator. While it is possible, uh, yellow leather, yellow leather resolutionator. While it is possible to set display resolution using the terminal when viewing the screen of a networked Mac, it is not so quick and easy. Resolutionator is very cheap at uh, three dollars two ninety nine in the USA. He said it's two sixty euro and very good. I use it to run a headless Mac Mini twenty eighteen as a server, which also hosts for Windows on Parallels. With a 2560 by 1440 display resolution on a 27-inch iMac on the network. Doesn't allow the full 5120 screen resolution, but the difference is very hard to see. For what I need, no video or games, it is outstanding. The mini frequently starts in lower resolutions, but with the option Shift-R and a single click, Resolutionator sorts it out. I was able to upgrade the headless Mac mini from Catalina to Big Sur remotely using Resolutionator to run, share screen, on the iMac. Very cool. Wow. Thanks for all of those. That's great, Russell. I love when we can start Cool Stuff found with a nice little suite. I got to dig back into PopClip. Uh, that, you know, with all those hmm. extensions and everything, that seems like maybe a thing that uh, that could become part of my life here. So, we'll see. We'll see. You know, there you go. Very
1: cool. All right. Lou's got a, a few For us here, Dave. Um, So Lou says, I used to use both Snappy and MonoSnap for screenshots and screen recording. Snappy didn't get along well with Big Sur, and MonoSnap was a bit cumbersome. Along comes, came Snagit by TechSmith. And, of course, we'll link to that. Um, Not inexpensive at $49.99, but well worth it due to the features it provides. There is a free trial period and a wealth of training, including videos. Cool. Right, Thanks,
0: Lou. Yeah. Very cool. I like that's good. Keep that kind of moving along. So
1: Yeah. Uh and just to let people know, the default way to do that, the, the things that are built in Mac OS to do these things are command shift five will let you do various types of recording. And also QuickTime Player, oddly enough, even though it's called QuickTime Player, can also do other types of recording. So
0: Yeah. I think I, I I should ask her, but I have assumed that Sadie, who's been doing all the the new stuff on Instagram and uh, Facebook and YouTube for us, uh, the the screen grabs that you see there, sort of the active screen grabs. I, I think she's just mm. using QuickTime Player to to grab those. Mm. Uh, but but you're right, could also be using just the Command Shift Five functionality. Like it all, it's all there, which is cool. Very good. Um. All right. Uh. In the also in the cool stuff found category, we have. TV remote from Evgeny Chirpik. And I think I'm pronouncing your name right, man. My apologize. It might be Chirpak. Uh, He has made various different remote apps. This one is very specifically for using your iPhone to remote control your Samsung or LG smart TV. And you can do all kinds of things with it. In addition to just having sort of a remote interface up, it also will let you... Uh, And I think, I guess, I think you can do it on your Mac too, now that I'm seeing it. Yeah, Mac, iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch apps. Hmm. Yeah, and you can set, like, on your phone, you can set widgets for certain commands, so you can really customize it. It's not, I mean, it starts as a fairly generic remote, but it is built to really customize so that, like, the, the buttons that you push or the things that you choose normally, you can surface to the top in a variety of different ways, including, like I said, on the watch, so... I think it's $299 for each platform if I'm interpreting it all correctly. So, very cool. I like it. It's good. It is good. Uh, And for both Samsung and LG. I love that our TVs can be accessed by our phones this way. My remote batteries and my Harmony remote died last night. Actually, the charger had become unplugged from the wall. So, uh, you know, it had been slowly dying over a couple of days. And uh, I went to watch something last night and barely got the TV on. And then it was like that black screen. Like, oh crap. I was like, wait, I have an app on my phone to do this. And I was able to mess with it. So it was good. Uh, Okay. Uh, Andrew shares a video with us of an interview with Steve jobs in 1991. It's a YouTube video. So there's not a whole lot uh, more to share, but I will put that in the, uh, in the list. It, it's, it's, I, I watched some of it. It's actually, it's pretty good. It's good to see Steve kind of in his, you know, sort of crazy years prime, um, you know, as he was, as he was building things, it's a, it's a nice reminder of, of, you know, where Apple came from. So thanks for that sharing that, Andrew. Well, the link is in the show notes. And then we have one from another Andrew, right, John?
1: Yes, we do. Um, Andrew says, not sure if this is the solution for the person who wanted to manage contacts, Yes, we've been talking about that lately. Um, but I found that CardHop was very flexible and quick in addition to having a directory in its preferences, which allows you to communicate with different directory databases. Okay.
0: Huh. Yeah, that might All answer that question. Cardhop. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, CardHop is from the Flexibits, I, I believe, right? Uh Yeah. The um, the Fantastical folks, right? Am I getting that right? I think so. It's it's definitely from the same people. My memory is not that flaky, right? Yeah, Fantastical people, exactly. Okay, great. Um, Alexa yep, Guard. Right. Did you know, and I'm sorry to say the name, but it's I think it's kind of important, so I'll say it once and then I'll stop saying it. But it is this new feature that was added recently to the A-Lady where you can, when you turn it on, it listens for the sound of a smoke alarm or the sound of glass breaking, and it can alert you in a variety of different ways. And then they have like Alexa guard pro or or I think it's I think it's pro. I don't know. Some plus. Sorry. Alexa guard plus coming later this year that will do things like, uh, you know, make a sound of dog barking if it if it's here's the the glass break but um, but being able to alert you that your smoke alarms are going off, and and we're talking about normal non Wi Fi non smart smoke alarms because it it's the a lady just listening for that sound, similar to what functionality exists in iOS 14, right? Where that uh, it's it's inaccessibility as many cool features begin, right? But in accessibility, there is also uh, the, you know, you can set it to listen for and alert you to lots of different sounds. And and these are some of them. So very, I, I thought this was very cool. I'm curious to see where that develops. I mean, if you're going to have a device in your house, that's listening all the time anyway, it might as well listen for things that might be a problem. Uh, but I think that like um, w- with this Alexa guard, um, it can work in conjunction with like your other smart home stuff, like your ring for detection and things like that. And maybe start the dog barking. If somebody comes in your driveway or I don't know, rings your doorbell or whatever, when you're not home even. So I think that's pretty cool. We'll put a link in the thing. Digital trends did a great write up on it and explains kind of some of the, (laughs) the things to know before you turn it on. So we'll, uh, we'll link to that, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. They're, you know, constantly evolving this, this stuff. Had you messed with I that? tried
1: something the other day that yeah. I never thought I, I don't know why I didn't try sooner, but I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I can call somebody using the A-Lady. Mm. And so I tried it. So I said, and so I had it call me. And I think the first time around it was like, um, do you want me to use John's iPhone as your phone? And I'm like, um, or as, as your phone number, right? I'm like, oh yeah, sure, sure yeah, yeah here 's the weird thing though is that when I used a lady to call my cell phone, it showed absolutely no data oh. uh, no no caller i d at all interesting, but if I use her to call my landline, it shows my cell phone number so
0: huh it's That's kind of interesting weird. yeah 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 <clears throat> interesting fascinating stuff i i, I love it. this is what I love about cool stuff found it 's been a long time since we 've done a cool stuff found episode like this. And, uh, and, and we have more stuff. In fact, we have some geek challenges coming up and then we have more cool stuff found because that's what we're doing here. It's you know, it's, it's we got, we, we get to have some fun every now and then. Right. Uh, I guess we have fun every time we do this, but uh, yeah. So lots more of that. The next thing that I would love to do is talk about our first couple sponsors. If that works for you, Mr. Braun. Dandy. All right. Our first sponsor today is new as a sponsor, but not a new name to the show. And that is Scosche Industries at S-C-O-S-C-H-E dot com. Scosche, well, we just recently talked about their base links, the modular charging system that you can use to charge all your devices. It was actually an answer to one of your questions. They also are the ones that have the magic mount chargers with the MagSafe in them and also just all kinds of you know car mounts and stuff they they've been doing this a very long time since 1980 believe it or not it's amazing that they have been able to do this for so long and it's because they know what they're doing they are committed to superior product quality and functionality they want exceptional value for you and of course they are obsessive about customer service and i always say every business is the customer service business and skosh proves that Every single day, their cables are fantastic. I've been using uh, actually some of their cables in the car with CarPlay. And if you know anything about CarPlay cables, they are CarPlay is super finicky about what cables are going to work with it. And my Skosh cables have been completely rock solid. Very cool stuff. And if you visit skosh.com, they have, because they're just new at sponsoring the show, if you use discount code MGG30, that's MGG30, that's good for 30% off your purchase. But it's only good from today, April 12th, through April 26th. So you've got to act quickly and and go take care of that. So go check it out. Scosche.com, coupon code MGG30, and our thanks to Skosh for sponsoring this episode. Next up is TubeBird, the only to do list you need because your inbox becomes your to do list. 2Bird leans in on this. And so you have one inbox for all your tasks, all your emails, all your notes, all your events, all your collaboration. And it's amazing what they've done here. TubeBird is made by the same folks that make Notability, which is the best selling note taking app. And it was built with the same philosophy as Notability. Powerful, yet simple. And by having all your tasks in one place, you can manage more of your day within the inbox that you already have. This helps reduce distractions because you're not task switching, uh, you know, bringing together all those things that can distract you when you switch apps, man, or even just switch windows. Things can go sideways, right? Constantly switching really waste time and opens you up to those distractions. Well, no more if you're using TubeBird at tubebird.com. It's free for download immediately from the Apple App Store for iOS, of course, and the Google Play Store for Gmail users globally and Microsoft users coming soon. If you want the Mac app, you go to tubebird.com, you can download it there. This is very cool stuff and really hyper-focused on just making productivity simple, which is the key. So our thanks to Tubird at dot for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, you want to take us to Chad?
1: Uh, we will go to
0: Chad. Awesome. Because it's time for Geek Challenges, that's what I know. And Geek Challenges, just for people who are listening... These are the things that we're not entirely sure if we have the answer for. I mean, we, all, we know there are always more answers, and that's why we invite you to email us at feedback at macgeekab.com. But if, there, if there's something we don't know the answer, we call it a geek challenge, and we throw it out to you as the community. So we've got several of those to go through here, and we'll talk through them and see if we can come up with something. And hopefully maybe that spurs an idea in your head. So you can send that to us at feedback at MacGeekab.com.
1: Yes, he said feedback at com.
0: That is right. That's where you send your questions and your tips and your cool stuff found too. But it is time for Chad. All
1: right. Um Chad has more a head scratcher here, which I guess we'll throw out to the community here. Um uh, I'm having this issue since Big Sur and VMware Fusion 12. Hopefully VMware will fix this soon as Parallel seems to be working fine. Uh, and the problem is NAT doesn't work. I even tried the sudo kill all command. The other option to share the connection seems to work, but is very slow and unreliable. So that's
0: not what I want. Um, so the issue the- is that... um he can't get networking to work or he can't get a certain type of networking to work. Um
1: Windows uh, running windows 10, the internet connection isn't working. This oh. is the report here. So oh,
0: interesting. That's not good. I mean, huh?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I don't have anything. And yeah, like him, I mean my internet connection with parallels, uh, though I got to renew my parallels. I forgot. Um so I, I, I guess we'll just throw it out there is anybody else having <laughs> issues with uh with Big Sur and uh VMware Fusion.
0: Yeah, interesting. Huh. I um but yeah, I get I, I mean, mean my, we
1: use these days for uh
0: y- you know, emulation. I I don't use much virtualization these days. And hmm. and maybe maybe I should, uh, of course, but um but no, I don't I I really I just have no need for it. And uh, and so I haven't been doing any of it. I I keep wanting to I keep knowing that in the back of my head, I need to pay attention to this a for things like this with Big Sur. But also as, you know, virtualization or perhaps the right word, emulation starts coming more to fruition on the M1 Max. that it's definitely going to be a thing that that we get uh, that we get questions for here. So um, so, yeah, but if anybody knows, please let us know. That would be great. I put a link to... Yeah, the
1: only thing I really do these days is uh, under Parallels, um, I'll run Windows 10, and I use it to play a couple of Steam games, because... Um, interesting. Because they didn't update some of them uh, to 64-bit, so that's the way to get around that.
0: Oh, Interesting. Right.
1: Yeah. Team Fortress 2 is the one that I, I still play now and then. And, uh, all right. Yeah, apparently, it's, it's, 30 de- that's the only thing I really run on an emulation. I, I used to do, you know, since I did Windows development for a couple of de- decades, I sure. used to use it for that. But uh, every now and then I'll fire up the compiler and just, just to, uh, <laughs> see if I can still, uh, write code.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 You of know? course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, okay, so the next question you might actually have an answer for, it's from Wayne. He said, I recently upgraded to Big Sur from Mojave. I skipped Catalina. I maintain a website for a club I belong to and use a 32-bit app to do the web stuff. If I were to install Parallels on my Big Sur iMac... Could I run a Mojave OS inside Parallels to be able to continue to maintain the web page? I do have Mojave on a laptop to do the web stuff for now, but would prefer to do it on the larger screen of my iMac. I've never toyed with Parallels, and I don't know anyone locally with any knowledge on the subject. Any help would be greatly appreciated. So based on what you're saying, I know you're doing Windows in 32-bit on Mm -hmm. Parallels, but I don't see any reason why Mojave wouldn't run in parallels it always has and then Mojave allows 32 mm. bit so i think that might be his answer right john
1: uh yeah i guess i was kind of <laughs> getting around to that um uh though the thing that i'm doing no the problem is that steam certain steam games they upgraded to 64 bit to run under windows but they haven't upgraded them to 64 bit to run on the Mac. So oh. that's the way. So yeah, but but right? So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I but see. Yes, that's a little I, different.
0: I, okay. Got it.
1: Yeah. But um yeah, you know, I did this a while ago. I actually did it, I think, in the last time I tried this was using um VirtualBox. Okay. I actually created a uh uh 32 bit, you know, an older Mac environment and it, it, even under uh, virtualbox it runs uh, you can do this as
0: well sure so. right and virtualbox of course for those that don't know is free doesn't have quite the graphics uh prowess that and performance really is the right word that parallels or VMware do but mm-hmm. for depending on what you need to do I think my son for one of his CS classes, was running virtual box mm. to do something. It, 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 I, and I forget what the context was, but um, I, I think it was to run, they were doing it. Uh, they did a module on a assembler, and they needed everybody to be able to run the same assembler. And of course, you know, it's CPU Mm-mm. dependent. So, uh, running inside a VM made perfect sense. And they were, he told me, he's like, Oh, I set up a virtual machine and I went through all this stuff. I said, what are you using parallels or VirtualBox or VM? He's like or, uh, VMware. And he's like, Oh, it's virtual box. He's like, I didn't know, you know about that. Like, come on. like, <laughs> Of course. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta mess with it. And then, um, Mac Vader in the chat room at live.macgeekab.com is telling us that there is some M1 emulation app that we here at the Mac Observer wrote about. Uh, Andrew here wrote about it. Uh, I will find the name and uh, and put it in the show notes, I, I hope. So uh, so but anyway, I'll, I'm putting a little note there for myself to hopefully get there. Awesome! Uh, this is what I love about uh, about the geek challenges is we all get to kind of learn together. So thank you, Mac Vader, for the real time feedback. That's great. All right, uh, moving on, Mr. Braun.
1: Uh, indeed, um, WWDS. Well, at least that's what it says in the <laughs> sure the okay. line here. I'm not sure what that stands for.
0: A name but, is um, a name. Maybe that's maybe that's this yeah. person's name. Yeah could be yeah
1: um you um i am running mac mail uh version 11.5 build 3445.9.7 which i guess is the
0: latest right uh, um, i'm looking here mac mac mail no he's on a much older version of mac os because i'm on version 14.0 here in big Sur. so oh. so bear, bearing All that right. in mind thanks yes. for checking that sure
1: okay because 11 would almost make me think that it's big, sir, but it's not. I, okay.
0: Yeah, good point. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. It seems that under the drop down menu view, organized by conversation is checkmarked and cannot be changed or unchecked. That's not good. Okay. I've already tried trashing the P list with no effect. If I want to expand all conversations, I can momentarily click the option, and but it defaults back to organized by conversation. Any guidance would be appreciated. Uh, for stuff like this, um, I don't know if you got the right pref file. So here's a here's a little tip. Uh, most likely where the pref file is going to be, um, is in Home Library Preferences. Um, and what I would do is just um, you know, fiddle with some setting in Mail in that general area and see what comes to the time, and then sort by uh. Sort by uh, modified uh, and see what floats to the top. The other thing is that, um, and I didn't know this for a while, that there is also a by hosts folder buried in the preferences folder. And sometimes I found things there. Um, hmm. So you look in both those places and I and I think you'll, uh, I think you'll find what you're looking for. I hope you find what you're looking yeah. for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very oh. Cool. Cool. Uh, I did find that emulation app. It is called UTM, John, and it it's it's uh, available for both M1 and Intel. It uh, will virtualize ARM-based operating systems on M1, and it will virtualize x86-based operating systems on Intel, and then it will emulate at a slower speed, of course x86 based operating system so intel based operating systems on apple silicon on m1 so it it purports to do it all i put a link of course in the show notes and while we're on the subject of m1 john i saw just now literally as i was looking that disk drill uh, Distril 4.3 now has support for M1 Max as of, uh, well, I say today, we're recording this quite a bit early we're recording this on Tuesday because of my aforementioned travels. So, uh, so you may have heard about this if you're, if you're looking for this kind of stuff, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's great news. I love that, like having native disc utilities, that's key for M1s longevity. So very cool stuff. All right. Um, let's see. Where are we here? Susan has a question. And I think we might actually. I, when I read this one, I thought for sure this was a geek challenge because I thought no way. And she says one of my accounts got onto some kind of spammy mailing list. And for months I was getting emails in Thai. Now I'm getting emails in Indonesian. And uh, she said, I looked at Gmail, but it doesn't appear to be able to filter on a language. But I'm wondering if I'm missing some setting. Do you know how I could block all emails written in a specific language if this is not possible in Gmail? Do you know of any other programs? So I uh, like I said, I thought that this would be a, a, you know, guaranteed to be a geek challenge. And I did a little searching. There is language filters in Gmail. So you can you can use all kinds of different um you can filter with there's almost a language if you will it's it's a very simple language in terms of how programming languages go but um there is a lang uh, field that you can search for, just like there is a from field that you can search for, or a to field, or a subject field that you can search for. And then once you can search for something in Gmail, then you can filter by it, and and it, the search for becomes match by. And so this lang field, you put the two letter code of the lang or two or three letter code of the language that you want to find. And then once you find it, you can have your thing trash it or do whatever you like with it. And so I, I put a link to a LabNol article uh, and those folks really understand like Google searching and and that sort of thing. So it doesn't surprise me that that's who I found here. But um, but there you go. You know, you can uh, you can take a look at that and it they will walk you through how to do all of this stuff. But um, but yeah, so it. I, I would have sworn it was going to be a geek challenge. And it was like, look at this. Somebody has the answer. I love it. I mean, it still was a geek challenge. I didn't know the answer, but I found it. It's how we, it's so often how it goes here. So thanks for asking Susan. That's, um, that's great. It's great nice. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Next
1: up. All right. Sandro. Hmm. All right. Hey fellers. I've been troubleshooting my Eero mesh network for a couple of months and have run out of options. Let me, let's see what you think. I have a 2019 16 inch MacBook pro. Uh, Nice machine. Yeah, I got one too. Two terabyte SSD and 32 gigabytes of Ram. Nice. Uh, Running latest version of big Sur. I have a second generation Eero with two beacons, not the Wi-Fi six version. All has been working fine. My issue, though, is that many times, but not always, as I move from one location to another within the house with my MacBook Pro, I could be six feet away from one of the beacons. But the connection continues to save the beacon at the former location. Mm. And the connection is atrocious at 10 to 30 megabits per second to megabits per second up. Normally, I expect to see two to 300 down and 10 up. If I disable Wi-Fi momentarily on the MacBook Pro in an attempt to reset things, that doesn't help. Most times it remains stuck on the 2.4 gigahertz 802.11n band and will not switch to the much faster 5 gigahertz band. Um, other devices, iPhones, iPads, don't seem to have that issue, so I can't help to think this must be an issue with the MacBook Pro. I wish there was a way to force the MacBook Pro to connect to a specific beacon and or Wi-Fi band when this occurs. Um yeah, my expectation is that the mesh should handle this. Um yeah. even if I shut down completely, restart and do an NVRAM reset on startup, it still stays stuck on this on the same 2.4 megahertz band. Hmm. Sometimes it does get on the five gigahertz band and I have a good connection. Uh I get these stats from either the iOS Eero app or the by option clicking on Wi-Fi icon on the menu bar. Um I've rebooted the Euro Gear, and on the MacBook Pro, I had this issue on Catalina. Now, through the standard upgrade to Big Sur, uh, any ideas? I'm thinking it may be a file somewhere that might be corrupted. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, so one suggestion: a troubleshooting tool that may help you. Uh, dr- though It sounds like you've drilled down pretty good, but uh, Jibuki Tools is great at showing you when handoffs occur and why they occur. Uh, that may give you additional information though. It sounds like you got most of it already. I like, um, I
0: like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, reset the
0: network stack, Dave. Uh, yeah, I, I would. And how do you No. Or, go ahead. Explain or, how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um,
1: system preferences, network, uh you're going to see a whole bunch of uh, interfaces um the thing is you may want to whack the one that's not working right and add it back um i think that's the best way to to reset whichever connection is giving you trouble um
0: that's the only way i, I don't know how know. to what do you it you got
1: yeah no you're so you- oh here oh here's the, here's the other one i'm sorry yeah, um go ahead. um Uh, You may also want to just make sure that you don't have multiple. uh, I doubt that you have multiple Wi-Fi entries, but if you do. Oh, yeah. um, uh, You can make services that are not necessary inactive. That's another thing that I do on my machines, even though there's not no good reason to. (laughs) Fair. Well, yeah. just because I, I had a problem in the past where, yeah you know, my network was just acting up and I'm like, well, let me deactivate these interfaces that I'm not using or make them inactive. And the problem went away. So uh, the other thing here is that you want to look at um, set service order. Um, that sets the priority of how your network does what it does. And maybe the service order is, is whack. I don't know. Yeah.
0: That so could- just
1: make sure that your Wi-Fi is at the top. Um, when you set service order because, and it's kind of stupid because the uh, the, the list that you see in the network uh, preference and the service order aren't the same. Well, okay, dumb, right? so
0: no, that that list makes sense because that list shows mm. you which one is connected at the top mm. and it will show you the service order there if connections are live. So if you have, say, Ethernet above Wi Fi in your service okay. order. It it will show you that if both Ethernet and Wi-Fi are live, Ethernet will be above it. But if Ethernet's not live, now Wi-Fi will be there. And and that's mm. t- t- to give you a feel of, like, what's the main one and what's not. Um, I don't – I wouldn't necessarily – I mean, for troubleshooting, yes, sure, move Wi-Fi to the top. Even delete the other ones. You can always bring them back. Uh, in general, I highly recommend leaving Ethernet as the priority because if you have a machine that can do both Ethernet and Wi-Fi and you plug it into Ethernet – You, as the user, are probably expecting it to use Ethernet. And if you do, if you put Wi-Fi at the top of that list, then you'll plug into Ethernet and you'll still be using Wi-Fi as your main priority connection. And that's probably not what you want. Just, you know, eyes wide open. Um, In terms of the mesh side of things, it is important to remember that, yes, meshes can be smart or not. Um, Eero falls definitely on the side of being smart and can help guide your devices as to which access point or radio or band they should uh, be connecting with. However, the ultimate and final decision is up to each device. Uh, And again, the mesh can be very strong-willed about hinting things, including not allowing connections from a certain wireless client to a certain wireless radio. And that like that can certainly happen. Um, and that's one tactic. But in general, it is up to the client to make that final decision. So what you're seeing where most of your devices are happily connecting to 5 gigahertz and one of your devices is not so supports that. Um, and it supports that your Wi-Fi network does work at 5 gigahertz. Now, why a device might choose to connect to one band over another is a whole other ball of wax. Um, It could be that your MacBook pro has better antennas, which it does and stronger radios, which it does and is seeing more interference on the five gigahertz band than your iOS devices are maybe from your neighbors or from other devices you have. And therefore is deciding that in its estimation, 2.4 gigahertz is the better choice, Uh, that would, assuming there's no hardware or software issues, that would be the most likely answer for this. You could use something like Wi-Fi Explorer or iStumbler uh, to go ahead and test, you know, and see what your MacBook sees, and that might really help at least explain what's going on. Um, Like you said, John, removing the network device and re-adding it, um, or even removing your Ero from your Wi-Fi list, uh, it, which is also in system preferences network, and then re-adding it there, like, you know, removing it. Maybe there's some uh, security negotiation thing that's just screwed up in your preferences. Remove that network, maybe even restart just for good measure, and then reconnect to the network. It'll force you to type the password in. That's a good thing. You know, you're, you're kind of doing things from scratch. But um, but yeah, otherwise, that's, that's where it goes. You know, troubleshooting Wi-Fi, certainly remotely is very difficult we don't know what your scenario is we don't know if you're in a house like a farmhouse on in the middle of 100 acres with nobody around or if you're in an apartment building or something in between with lots you know apartment potentially with lots of competing wi-fi networks and things like that so yeah um but hopefully hopefully something we've shared here helps that's that's the best we can do
1: um a few other things yeah man so um All right, in the Eero app, so just to cover all your bases, um, make sure you run the latest version. Um, And Let's see, where do you do that? That is in the settings, software updates. Make sure you got the latest firmware because they're always tweaking things. Of course. Um, The other thing is that go to, uh, in the current app, make sure you don't have any of the uh, experimental features on. I've actually had to disable some of them. So right now I see band steering, local DNS caching, and WPA3. Actually, WPA3, their implementation, did make one of my machines cranky. So I I turned that off. Um, So that's another place to look.
0: Now, that's really smart. Turn off WPA3. That would be a a great first place to start if you're having any kind of connection issues. You're right that Eero's current WPA3 anyway and Apple's current WPA3 don't exactly see eye to eye. So cool. Awesome. Fun one. Um, another geek challenge is uh, in this same sort of category is from listener Brian who says, I would like to use my three ethernet connected Macs that are dotted around the house to combine forces and broadcast a single mesh wifi network. Is there an app I could install on all of my Macs that would do this I don't really want to spend money on mesh devices when I've already got a trio of Ethernet connected devices, two Macs and a mini, two iMacs and a mini, uh, at the moment, if I connect my iPhone to the Wi-Fi being broadcast from the Ethernet connected Mac furthest away from the router, I remain connected to its weak signal when I move further away and closer to, say, my router. I would like our Wi-Fi connected mobile devices to be able to automatically jump to whichever Mac was broadcasting the strongest Wi-Fi signal in each particular location inside your house. You know, the basic idea behind mesh. Is it possible? So, yeah, I think it is. Now that I'm now that I'm reading this for perhaps the third time. I think there is. I'd love to hear your feedback about it, folks. But I think um, as I'm going through this, you know, before we had things like Eero and, you know, Plume and Orbi and all the others that bring us what we'll call true mesh, uh, we had quasi mesh that we were building in our homes where we took multiple routers and we put one of them in router mode like normal and then Ethernet connected other routers to it that we put in bridge mode, essentially turning them into dumb access points and giving them all the same SSID, the same network name and the same password so that our devices could just choose which one to connect with. It wasn't, it didn't have the smarts that some meshes have, but it did give us exactly what you're asking for. And I see no reason why you couldn't do that with your Macs, because you can do internet sharing. If you go into system preferences sharing, Right. And as long as you set the uh, network name on each of your Macs to be the same, then I think you'd be fine. I see no reason why that wouldn't work. Uh, Right? Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Build your own mesh. That's that's what I would do. Quasi mesh. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a mesh in the sense that my definition of mesh means that you have one central location. From which all of the mesh points are managed and therefore, at least theoretically, they all can know about what one another is up to in this. That's not happening, but that's fine. Like I said, before we had Eero uh, in my house, we were definitely running this. Uh, You know, I've always had three access points in this house. It's just uh, Ethernet connected. It's just been, you know, it was quasi mesh at first and then and then now real mesh. So, yeah, I think that'll work. (laughs) fun
1: yeah, Hi. yeah. I remember the good old days of uh
0: wds i think it was yeah i i, I yes uh, <laughs> i i never i never used wds for my meshing um stuff i i don't know it, it never like that never worked the right way for me but i don't know i mean
1: yeah, awesome. it was kind of hokey and setting it up wasn't always very smooth, but uh, right. I think it's a wireless distribution system, as it stands for. Okay. But it was a way for you to take an Apple device. It was basically an extender. So a self-configuring but, uh, extender, right?
0: I mean, ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we've got we still have more geek challenges. We still have more cool stuff found as promised. And uh, I have two more sponsors I want to tell you about, if uh, if that works for now, John.
1: Ah, fantastic.
0: All right. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've talked with lately who are buying homes. Uh, there's a lot of moving and a lot of interest in homes, especially out in the suburbs, and so many people buying homes. And that's a huge financial burden that you're taking on when you buy a home. And you don't want to leave your kids or your partner with that burden if something were to happen to you. And on that note, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. And the way it works is you just pay a bit each month, and that way you can protect the ones you love. And if you've been wondering about how to do this, well you can choose our next sponsor ladder ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get yourself covered. You just need a few minutes and a phone or your laptop to apply ladder has these smart algorithms that work in real time. So you'll find out instantly if you're covered and they have no hidden fees, you can cancel at any time. And since life insurance costs more as you age, well, now's the time to cross it off your list. Very cool stuff. You got to check out ladder today to see if you're instantly approved. Go to ladderlife.com slash M G G that's L a D D E R life.com slash M G G ladder life.com slash mgg Ladderlife.com slash G and our sincere thanks to ladder for sponsoring this episode. You know, we've been talking a lot about Big Sur and last week we talked so much about M one max. Well, if you have an M1 Mac and/or if you're running Big Sur, BB Edit is totally ready for M1 powered Macs and Big Sur. And I know it's crazy that I get excited about a text editor. It is literally open on my Mac all the time. It's one of the first apps that I open. I probably should just put it in my login items, but I'm kind of obsessive about how I manage my login items. I launch BB Edit within minutes of starting up my Mac because I'm always doing stuff with it. But I do things like counting text in documents. You can count the number of characters, count the number of words. These are things that are important when you're putting things like articles together, but also important is being able to compare two different versions of a document. BB edit lets you do that. You just put them both in, say compare and it'll go line by line, letter by letter and show you what's different in your two versions of the same document. Very cool the way they've done this stuff. And that's just sort of the what I'll call the everyday user uses of this. If you're a programmer, well, then BB Edit is really going to be your friend because it will do automatic text highlighting just on the screen. It doesn't change your code, but it shows you on the screen. It highlights functions and lets you twist them open and closed so that you can really interact with your code in a meaningful way. You gotta go check this out. You can go download their 30-day free trial. And then after 30 days, some features go away, but not all of them. Go to barebones.com and our thanks to Barebones for making BB Edit and for sponsoring this episode. All right, John. And back to Cool Stuff Found. We have one from Listener John who shares something I had never heard of. He said, um, I have a cool stuff found and it's less than four dollars. It is Quakehold Museum Putty. He says, this fixed one problem I had with my new Mac Mini. I have the Mini sitting on my desktop and its hard bottom surface made it slide around on the desktop with just the slightest touch. I use Museum Putty to fix this. I made four small balls of this stuff, each about an eighth of an inch round and stuck one in each corner. Now my max stays in place on my desk. I love that things like this. Uh, I, I feel like this is one of those things, John, that I need to just get some and keep it in like the drawer in the kitchen so that when the need arises, I've got it at my fingertips. So to speak, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for that listener, John. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right. All right, we've got one from
1: Allison. Um, uh, I forgot if I mentioned this before. I don't think she has. But I keep meaning to tell your audience about it. If I haven't, here goes. Uh, Tom Merritt, host of the Daily Tech News Show, has another show called Know a Little More. Each episode is usually around 10 to 15 minutes, and he does a fantastic job of explaining one topic. He's explained Wi-Fi 6, 5G, latency versus bandwidth, Mac addresses, machine learning, and more. Uh, one in particular this audience would enjoy is called about arm. And for the first time, I really understand the history behind Ah. arm and Apple's role in its very existence.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I had no idea about this show. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you told us about this, Allison. I might queue up a couple of episodes to, uh, uh, to listen to in the car. I love, you know, short little things like that for the short little drives, like to the chiropractor or to the store or whatever it is. So cool. Cool all right i have uh we've been talking about mesh and uh and for anybody watching the video I'll, I'll do a little show and tell for a few of these but we'll keep it uh relevant for the audio audience of course uh this is a new mesh system from Aeris, who are longtime cable modem makers uh they've made cable modems with routers in them this is not a cable modem it is a mesh system alone uh and it's it's quite a powerful mesh system. It's their, it's their AERIS Surfboard Max. It's a tri-band Wi-Fi 6 mesh. Each unit, it comes with two for $349. Each unit uh, has three 4x4 bands in it. So two 5 gigahertz bands of 4x4 and then a 24 gigahertz band of 4x4. The nice part about 4x4, well, there's two nice parts. Number one, it means your mesh is talking at 4x4, uh, which is a lot more bandwidth than most of the mesh products out there that are doing 2x2. And then it means your clients can connect at 4x4 if you have any 4x4 clients, but you probably don't. Your Macs might be 3x3. uh, Your iPhones and iPads and most of your other Macs, would be two by two. Now, when we talk about four by four, three by three and two by two, we're talking about the number of antennas per band. And each antenna has a maximum amount of bandwidth that it can send. So more antennas means it can send more bandwidth. Now, if your iPhone is two by two, but your router is four by four, why does that matter, Dave? Well, because your iPhone gets to pick the best of those best two of those four and you get better, longer, stronger connections so and and this has proven out that this system worked well it you know they've got an app that um it's pretty straightforward, relatively basic um but it was reliable in my tests and um and the the base units they they look you know they're um They look nice. They've got, they've each got ethernet ports on the bottom, two of them. So one presumably for WAN, one for LAN, but then your satellite, you could use uh, both of them, I believe. So yeah, that's the, uh, the AERIS surfboard, tri surfboard max, uh, tri-band Wi-Fi mesh. So more stuff. It's good. I I like more Wi-Fi six mesh like that. Wi-Fi six, even if you don't have Wi-Fi six devices, having Wi-Fi six as your backhaul between your mesh points Gives you, you know, potentially gigabit backhaul without any Ethernet cables, which is, you know, well, an Ethernet cable from your, from your router to your cable modem or whatever that is, but no Ethernet between them, if you understand. Good. Okay, good. I'm, I'm done, John. Thank you. Unless you have any questions about that. No, we're good. Cool. You want to take us to Henry?
1: Yeah yeah I was looking up some stuff about arm arm is yeah arm is interesting, i think uh what did it stand for?
0: Oh, good um, question
1: uh oh okay, here we go uh advanced risk machines and originally acorn risk acorn I think was the company that yeah developed the arm processor and uh risk for those that don't know risk. There's been this battle forever between risk and CISC, risk being reduced instruction set computing and CISC being complex instruction set computing. Um, Intel is CISC and ARM uh, is risk and uh, can potentially be uh, better performing and all that. And I think PowerPC was also a risk. Uh, uh, would be considered a risk
0: process and wasn't the apple II the 6500 series weren't those also risk or at least the thing used in the like the 2gs was a risk process i
1: you know what i would uh, because i did 6502 development when i had an apple II. um yeah i would say technically I I think it would, because it did have, you know, very small, uh, very small instructions rather than, you know, a big instruction to do, you know, huge, complex things. Sure. I'd consider it a risk processor. Okay. All right. Uh, Who are we going to here? Henry, I just discovered something cool, though I don't know how useful. My car got rear-ended this week, so I took some pictures of the back of my car and the front of the other one using my iPhone. I put all the pictures in my notes. Uh, like the other driver's info, into the Notes app on my phone running iOS 13. When I viewed the picture from Notes on my Mac, I noticed some of the image file names were not typical. Uh, you know, IMG underscore blah, 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 dot JPEG. Instead, the picture of the back of my car had a file name that included my license plate number. Another one of the car was named after their license plate number, and the photo of their registration was named Department of Motor, Motor Vehicles. Uh, it appears that Notes is performing some OCR. Yes, it does that. I, I found. Wow, yeah, I remember I found another another iOS app that that does this too. Yeah, it's, it's surprising when you see it happen. It's like, oh, that's kind of what I wanted, anyways, right? <laughs> um,
0: that's amazing. So, yeah, so, so Notes it's, is performing. Some, it's doing the OCR and then renaming your pictures with what it's mm-hmm. seeing in the OCR. Like that's, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. I'll
1: see if I can remember the other app that I saw do this. It it kind of surprised me when I'm like, oh, it does some OCR. Yeah. Um, All right. So it renames the image file based on the first words it could recognize. Maybe it's a side effect of allowing notes to scan documents. Yes, I think that's an accurate statement. And it appears to be notes doing the OCR because when I emailed the same photo from the photos app, the file name is in the IMG uh, format. Also, I wonder if there's any AI or ML being used to recognize the contents of photos since the car model or make was not OCR'd in either uh, license plate photo. Wow. Uh, FYI, you can view the image file names directly in Notes on your iPhone. Tap on a photo in Notes to go to the photo browser mode and then tap on the icon in the bottom right that looks like a list. Uh, Yeah. And he sent us some screenshots.
0: Okay. So it's not uh, actually blanked
1: out because we don't want to. uh... (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um, Well, if we We wind up showing uh, this on a, on a clip, we don't want to person who uh, rewritten them in trouble. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So it's not, it's not actually renaming for that Henry. It's not actually renaming the photo, um, but it's just renaming it in the list. So um, yeah. Interesting. All right, uh, I have something from Russell here, and Russell says, I just discovered com- something cool, though I don't know how useful, and uh, and what he says is, and I think you might be out of sync with us again, John, just by a couple of seconds, but uh, Russell shares, he says, um, I've never been able to use in-ear earbuds. They fall out. Uh, I've tried the ones with clips that go over the outer ear and they also fall out and end up dangling loose from the clip, but not in my ear and just a nuisance. I also like to listen to podcasts and had resorted to using an iPhone on loudspeaker in my shirt pocket, which annoys other people solution for me anyway, he says, is the aftershocks bone conduction headsets. The sound quality is not nearly as good as equivalent in ear solutions because it's not sealing anything, of course. It's a bit like AM radio, but A, I listen to almost entirely podcasts and spoken word. Uh, and B, the human brain adapts very quickly and synthesizes a lot of the missing bits of the frequency range. He says, I find them comfortable and they stay in place. There's nothing in my ears, so I can totally hear ambient sound, and uh, it, which is important to me. He says that I wear them while in a workshop and when out walking, and I want to be able to hear the background. He says, I find the controls ergonomic and easy even when wearing winter gloves. And uh, the decent build quality. Yeah, we've talked about the Aftershocks a few times on this show. I have yet to test them out, but the tech in and of itself just, uh, just you know, fascinates me, John, because of, you know, like what it's doing. But, um, yeah, yeah, very cool. So thanks for that. Very good. Good stuff. Um, All right. I, that I, That brings me to another cool stuff found with a little more show and tell. The Yamaha E700A over-the-ear headphones. So these are $350 headphones. They have 40 millimeter drivers, which is uh, pretty standard for high-end over-the-ear headphones. Apple's $550 AirPods Max also have 40 millimeter drivers. Still not sure why we pay an extra $200 for those, but that will, you know, there you go. You can choose. Um, these Yamaha ones, super comfortable. They come in a, a case, and then you open the case and the headphones happily fit inside it. And uh and they they really do. They're these these ear cups are big, which I really like. They fit over my ears in a very nice way. Uh and they they look good. And of course, they have all kinds of great technology in them. The first thing I will say though. Is that they sound fantastic. These are truly built to be, you know, high end headphones. They have a listening care feature that adapts the sound based on what it hears in your ear. Like it it, they've got microphones both inside and out. It's got a, uh, you know, you can use it as a, uh, you know, Bluetooth speakerphone, of course and uh but the microphone's inside are constantly sensing much like what Apple's doing and many other manufacturers are doing with their headphones now where they're adapting the sound to you bluetooth 5 with aptex adaptive so it's got the the latest and greatest uh, as far as that goes ambient sound reduction now or ambient sound it'll allow in it's got active noise cancellation all by themselves these are closed ear headphones so all by themselves they block out quite a bit of sound um and you can turn noise cancellation off, of course. With noise cancellation on, they it really dries out the environment, which is sort of what it should do. And the ambient mode, which lets sound in, is one of the best ambient modes I've used. A lot of headphones have it, um, and it can be sort of flaky. It might not let enough in. It might let too much in. This, to me, lets a perfect amount in. Uh, I really can hear my environment, but still hear the music. In fact, of the three, I, I was listening to a bunch of music on these, John. And of the three modes, the um, cl- n- with noise canceling off and with ambient on, I noticed almost no difference in the sound. Obviously, I could hear ambient noise. So if I was in a quiet environment, I, I noticed no difference. If I was where you are, where the cars are driving by, then I might hear those, and that's you know either a good thing or a bad thing. But in terms of audio quality. It was the same all the way through when I turned on noise cancellation, I definitely lost some low end on the headphones. And to me, it was it was lost low end, not the other way around, not extra low end when it you know, when it was off, if that makes sense, because you could look at it both ways. But I have a playlist of songs that I'm very familiar with that I use to test earphones so I can suss them out in a snap. And and this definitely, you know, cut some of those that I don't want to say low mids. It was, it was truly kind of some of the low end was out when the noise cancellation was on, at least sitting in my office. I, I do plan to bring these on the plane, I think. Uh, they've got like 30 hours of battery life. There's, a, there's an app that you can use both to update the firmware and also to control all the various settings. But they, you can control all the noise cancellation and everything right from buttons on them. And what's really nice, John, is when you hit the you know, noise cancellation button to change it or hit the power button it talks to me. So I don't have Mm -hmm. to just hear a sound and wonder what mode I've changed to. It tells me in English what mode I've changed to. Or if I tap the power button, it tells me the state of the battery, high, medium, low. It's great. So I'm I'm impressed with these things. And 350 or 349.95 on Amazon, that's about what I would expect to pay for high-end headphones that do all the things these do. And they do have, you can plug into them too. So if you want to plug into like the airplane output or your iPad or whatever you can, you know, you can do that too. So it's, it's, I, I don't understand Apple's $550 price range. It doesn't make any sense, but you know, so that's enough of show and tell on that one. Um, any questions on that before I move on to the next piece of nice. so, show and tell, John?
1: I like the talk. Uh, I like audio devices that talk to you like the, the uh, earbuds that I have, the Plantronics ones do the same thing. When you, when you put them in your ear, it'll say, you know, it'll tell you it's connecting. It tells you the battery level. Um, if you change a setting, it'll tell you what setting you changed, so you don't
0: screw things up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Let's put a link to those in the show notes, too, so that people can find it. But, yeah, I, I like that. Like, it's an audio device, and it's a personal audio device. It's not like it's broadcasting it to the world, so it can talk to me. It's okay. All right. Uh, show and tell next up is... Um, Crazy as it sounds, but probably not that crazy. My new favorite portable Bluetooth speaker is the Sonos Roam. And I am so glad that the embargo on the reviews lifted in time for us to include this in this episode. Uh, this thing, you know, it, it looks for those of you that aren't watching the video. This looks like your typical pill sized speaker. It's a little bit shorter and a little bit narrower than a water bottle. Uh, To give you some context there, it is fully waterproof. Uh, It works, as I said, over Bluetooth. But when you're on Wi-Fi, it also works on Wi-Fi as a part of your Sonos ecosystem or the start of your Sonos ecosystem. And it's also fully AirPlay 2 compatible. So or I shouldn't even say compatible. It is a fully AirPlay 2 speaker. Uh, So you can, you know, stream directly from your phone to it. If you want, you can stream to multiple devices via AirPlay 2 or with Sonos. If you have two of these with Sonos, you can stereo pair them. Uh, And what's cool is when you leave your house, it just jumps to Bluetooth mode and, you know, resyncs with your phone and you're good to go on the Bluetooth. The sound from this thing, John, I don't know what they did. I mean, they talked about how they've got this racetrack driver channel and all this stuff. Whatever they did, hardware and software, Makes this thing sound about twice as big as it really is. Even outside, like, I could make this thing, like, loud. And you can crank it up without it distorting. It's very intelligent um, system that, that makes sure that doesn't happen, which is great. And you can, you can use it, you know, up on end like a water bottle or, uh, you know, on its side. And it's got kind of a nice little wedge design to it, so it aims the sound up at you. Uh, one of the coolest things, the base of it is a cheap pad. Well, not a cheap pad. It's a cheap coil, so it can charge on a cheap pad. So you can leave it in your house sitting on a cheap pad and when you're ready to go, you just grab it and go. And now you've got your speaker fully charged and ready to go. But to be clear, it doesn't charge your phone from the cheap pad. The cheap pad is just or the cheap coil in it is just to charge it. In case I was confusing about that. And uh and when you're on Wi-Fi, it's got the A lady or the Google Assistant in it. It's 169 bucks, which um high end of a bluetooth pill type speaker but with everything that it does you know it's actually the least expensive sonos product that exists and i say that and that's true on a technicality you can because the symphonic book, bookshelf speaker at $99 is an ikea product so you can get that if you if you want but uh, but yeah, so there's there's that one. Any uh, any thoughts on that before I move on to what I think is my final show and tell for the day, John?
1: No, I I don't have a travel portable travel speaker.
0: Oh, we should talk. I have lots of them, John, and I can mm-hmm. I can I can help you out. No, I mean, I've I, I've been a big fan of like all the JBL stuff over the years. That's my sort of go to. I have one of those that sits in the car like a JBL Flip. which is a a fantastic Bluetooth speaker. I I really didn't, when I started testing this Rome, um, sorry, yeah, the Rome, um, I did not expect it to be like that much better than anything else that I'd tested over the years because, you know, I I mean, these are companies that have been doing this for a long time and they know how to make things sound good and they care about sound. And uh, it just, it blew me away, like just how warm and round the sound was on these. I mean, it's the Sonos, sound signature coming out of this little speaker is is really what it comes down to. So, yeah, I was uh, very impressed. I'm happy to take it with me uh, to Portland and let it travel. I did have a problem. They say you get 10 hours of playback time on it, which I've found to be true. Uh, They say you get 10 days of battery life. I have found that to be not true. Uh, It could be something about this review unit. It could be something about my Wi-Fi setup here at home. Who knows? But I get about a day and a half, two days of standby time on this. So your mileage hopefully will vary from that uh, and be more in line with what they uh, advise. So or maybe we should get you one of these and, and start you down the Sonos path, John. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. And Mac Vader in the chat room asks about this uh, Sonos speaker. Can you put Spotify on it? Yeah. You can link Spotify to Sonos and then you're good to go. Or you could run Spotify on your iPhone And stream via airplay to this speaker. So, yes, the answer is absolutely both ways. No problem. Um, My final uh, uh, show and tell cool stuff found here, John, today is the Intelli Scout Pro. This is a portable battery pack bank, and it's about the size of maybe two iPhone 12 minis on top of each other. It's it's short, but um, but thick. And it's got, um, it's well, it's got a 20,000 milliamp hour battery in it, uh, which is oh. nice. Yep. Uh, it's got two wireless charging pads on the top of it, one for your phone and one for your watch. Mm. So that's super handy. And then it's got three USB ports on the front of it, two USB-C, one that says 60 watts, the other that says 100 and then a USB A port um, for uh, all three are for charging, and the hundred watt one happily charges my laptop, which is a really handy thing to be able to carry around. So, despite its weight, I've always kept a laptop chargeable battery in my carry, you know, my carry bag, and so this is now replacing the one that I had in there because it it'll do the cheese stuff, it'll do my my watch which is a really nice thing to be able to do on the go. Cause if you don't have a watch charger on the go, you don't have a watch charger. Like it is not an easy thing to say, Oh, I'll just plug into that. No, you won't. It's not how it works. So, so yeah, yeah. Very, um, very cool thing. I'm looking here for pricing. I didn't put it on my list and now I can't find it. Um, I will put pricing in the show notes unless, unless we come up with it sooner. So that's what I got for today. You got anything else, John? You got is any more cool stuff found or geek challenges that we can do? I think we got time for maybe one more, maybe. Uh, no, maybe not. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, we're you know, we've we've done a lot. This is a lot to digest. These cool stuff found shows exhaust me, man. It's they they um. I mean, it's fun. I like it. It's been it's been a while. I think it's been over a year. You know, we used to do cool stuff found. As part Like like this Like we would do a dedicated Cool Stuff Found episode And then We asked you folks Which way you liked it better You know Did you like just Little smatterings of it In, in every episode Or regularly Maybe not every episode Or did you like the all-in-one and, and most of you said Yeah, I like it You know, more frequently So But I kind of like this Cool Stuff Found Episode style thing it's, uh, Especially with the geek challenges Like this was a nice little mix I'm glad this worked out Mm-hmm. all right you got anything else to share with them john tips or thanks or i don't know anything
1: anything anything feedback at dot
0: that is it's feedback at dot that's where you send in your tips your questions your cool stuff found we like to hear from you we answer all your questions now nah, we try we try
1: <laughs> we, we do some questions can't be answered Dave. well that is
0: true yeah. But that's where you can play stump the geek and we'll we'll you know maybe put them up as a geek challenge. We don't guarantee we include every question in the show, but we do try to answer every question. Now, if you want a much greater chance of your question being answered, you can join our premium program at slash premium and we do prioritize the questions that come in from you to premium at macgeekhub.com. But we really do try to get to everything that comes in, even those that come in to feedback at com. But certainly for those of you that help us keep the lights on, we, you know, we do it. The reality is you all help us keep the lights on in, in a variety of different ways. Simply listening to the show is absolutely the best way. And then share the show with a friend. We've got a lot of stuff, like I said, going up on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook now more than we have ever in the past little snippets of the show share those uh, with your friends but just tell a friend about it that would that would really help us it's great because the more listeners we have the more questions we can answer the more the more we can do it's it's just like you know helps the helps the whole thing Uh, speaking of Twitter John where do they find us on Twitter
1: Uh, they find you at Dave Hamilton they find me at John F. Braun they find the podcast at Matt Geekab Publication is Mac Observer, and there's also
0: Pilot Pete. who yeah. maybe we'll see again someday. I would like to bring Pete back. I gotta, I got I have a camera e- here for him. Even like we can make this work. Wow. Yeah, here's, here's another place
1: you could find us. Um, and I was surprised to see myself here, uh, Instagram.com/slash maciegap. Yeah, it's true. You are there. That's right, John. Yeah, it freaked me out. I'm like, wait, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cool. All right. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for sending in all your stuff, your cool stuff found. Thanks for everything. Uh, of course, thanks for visiting our sponsors. You know the deal. Uh, our job is to encourage you to visit them, and from that point on, whether you purchase anything, that's between you and them, but, but it really does reflect well on us if we're, uh, if we're successful in our, our mission here. So uh, please check them out. Of course, scosh at scosh.com where code MGG30 gets you 30% off for the next couple of weeks. TwoBird.com, where you can manage your email as a to-do list. It's really cool. Uh, LadderLife.com slash MGG. And, uh, of course, BB Edit from BareBones.com. And if you want to learn about all our sponsors, not just the ones from this episode, you can go to MacGeekHub.com slash Sponsors. And we keep everything up to date there, including deals from past sponsors that they have not remembered to disable. So we do that for you.
1: Dave, I think you're flying. Yeah. So you know what you got to do? Make sure you wear your mask so you don't get caught.
0: Made up.